0: Can we give Jesus a hand of praise? He's the one who really deserves it. Amen. Well, this is the day the Lord has made, and we rejoice, and we are glad in it. What a joy it is to be alive. Amen. And what a joy it is to worship. Uh, With what's going on in our nation and in our world, I just think it's so appropriate that the body of Christ would pray. And regardless of where people are on various issues, and I often talk to people that are on different sides of the aisle of thought, I just think that the body of Christ and the Christian church should always pray for unity and always pray for peace. So before we approach the word of God today, let's do that. Can we? Can we bow our heads together in prayer? Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity that we've had to worship your name and to lift your name high, to be reminded that, Jesus, you change everything. And, God, with that reminder, we pray that you would change our hearts, that you would enable us, Lord God, to be agents of peace that, Lord God, you would bring unity in our nation and in our world. We realize that we are in a fallen world, but we know that you've called us, the church, to be the light in that dark world. So we thank you for that, and we pray for peace. Thank you for the word of God today. Would it continue to be a lamp on our feet, a light on our path? We cannot stumble in the darkness. We cannot be uncertain about the steps we make and take when your word directs us. So speak today, God, your servants, we listen. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you'd open them with us to the book of Genesis, chapter 32. Genesis 32 will begin at verse 22. Genesis chapter 32. Now, if you have a hard time finding Genesis, um, it would be a great thing to get connected to church, I tell you. The first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, beginning at verse 22, it says, that night Jacob got up. And took his two wives and his two female servants and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. So that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. As is my custom, I like to announce the subject of the message by having us turn to the person sitting next to us to kind of introduce the topic. So again, for those antisocial people, this is always going to be a little bit of a challenge, but it's going to be all right. So turn to your neighbor, if you would, and help me announce the subject today. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor... Have you ever had an unforgettable encounter? Amen. I want to talk today about unforgettable encounters. You all, some encounters that we've had in life have marked us. Indeed, they've become uh, moments in our lives that we go back and reflect on, and and sometimes some of those moments have been good, some of the moments have not been so good, but they've been unforgettable. Unforgettable. Uh, Many of us have had great things happen that kind of act as uh, nostalgic moments, and part of this series of unforgettable is kind of reminding us of summers, of visiting loved ones, and the wonderful greeting card behind us. And so many of us have those moments, and they're unforgettable. They mark us in a good way. But then some of us have moments of challenge in life, and adversity, and dark seasons, and Uh, Those moments often sometimes become unforgettable. Sometimes those are the moments that we wish that we could forget, but often are unable. In this text today, we're going to see an unforgettable encounter that Jacob had with God. But I think it's important for us to kind of understand and get a little backstory of who was Jacob? What was Jacob's story? Well, many of you may know Abraham, uh, the father of faith, is who we uh, kind of ascribe him to be. Uh, Abraham uh, was promised in his old age a son. So he and his wife, uh, in their senior years, uh, bore a son by the name of Isaac. Isaac, this promised son, would be the one that God said all the nations of the world would be blessed through the lineage of Isaac. And so Isaac, uh, as he became an adult, ended up having children as well. And he ended up having two sons, actually two twins, uh, Jacob and Esau. And as they were being born, the Bible tells us that as uh, Esau, the firstborn, was coming out of the womb, Jacob was grabbing the heel of his brother. Uh, How many of us have some drama right from the beginning with our siblings, right? So you got Jacob as a sibling now coming out of the womb, already starting trouble, grabbing his brother's ankle, uh, literally saying, I want to be first. And so throughout the uh, entire life of early lives of Jacob and Esau, they were often at odds with one another. And uh, it came at one point that Jacob said, you know what? I want to get the birthright. I want to get the blessing of Isaac. In that tradition, uh, the firstborn son would automatically be the one who would take the leadership of the family and kind of take the family name and carry it forward. Uh, But uh, Jacob said, I want to be that guy. And and he realized the only way he could do it would be to trick his father, who was now up in age, Isaac, uh, up in age now, unable to really see anymore. But he realized that his sons were different because of how their bodies uh, kind of were designed. So, so uh, uh, Esau was one who was a hunter. He would be out in the field, and he would be uh, out, you know, hunting animals, and his skin was very uh, hairy, uh, unlike that of Jacob, whose skin was smooth. And so uh, they decided to put something on Jacob's arms and on his chest area. So that as he went to Isaac, Isaac would think that he is now in the presence of his eldest son, and he would confer the blessing. It's like a soap opera, isn't it? And he, He would confer the blessing on his eldest son. And so Jacob came and he tricked, he fooled his father to give him the blessing by making him think that he was actually his brother Esau. But then on another occasion, uh, Esau was coming in from out uh, hunting, and he was so famished and so hungry, he said, I'll do anything to get something to eat. And of course, Jacob's little tricking, trickery mind was going. He said, well, hey, listen, I'll give you some soup, but before I give you some soup, I want you to give me your birthright in exchange for this soup. Can you imagine giving up your birthright for some Campbell soup? I mean, can you imagine... And so here, so here it is. This guy literally in one moment receives the soup and gives his birthright over to Jacob. So Jacob has not only received the blessing from his father, Isaac, right, but he also has received permission and in a sense birthright rights from his brother Esau. From that moment forward, although Jacob now is blessed and Jacob now is the one who is kind of taking the authority level of the family, he's done it in a way that was not honorable. He's done it in a way that was not pleasing, but he's done it in a way that was really not right. But from that moment forward, he and his brother were at odds with one another, all right? So in this chapter, we find now him getting ready to possibly encounter his brother again. He's terrified. What is my brother going to do to me? I've, I've lied and I've tricked my brother since the moment I've come out the womb grabbing his ankle. This guy is going to kill me. So he sent him some gifts ahead and said, anybody that encounters Esau, before we get there, let him know that Jacob, your humble servant, has sent you these gifts. And, uh, and we'll see what happens. So that's where we find ourselves here in this text as it opens up here in Genesis 32. So let's go back to the text if we could and see uh, some things that are unfolding here. It says that night he took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, crossed the ford of the Jabbok. All right. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. You all, I believe, as we talk today about this subject of unforgettable encounters, sometimes we miss unforgettable encounters with God because we often miss those seasons of being alone. We miss those seasons of being in solitude. We're in an age now where it's all about noise, it's all about busyness. Now I'm gonna just say this, and if it's you, don't comment because then nobody will know. But when you go home, when you go home, sometimes the first thing you do without even knowing it, turning on the TV, right? Some people actually go to go to bed with a TV on. Some people have to have it in the kitchen. I've been to some houses where there's a TV in every room. But now, because of the smartphone, we have TV on our, in our hand. And so, you all, it is amazing to me that many of us don't enjoy solitude. We don't enjoy being alone. And sometimes God speaks greatest to us when distractions have been removed from us. And some of us don't have enough willpower, enough strength to remove the distractions on our own. So sometimes God in his sovereign love for us will remove the distractions for us. Could it be that maybe some of the aloneness that you're feeling, could it be that some of the solitude that is happening in your life is not because God doesn't love you, but he wants to encounter you and he's removing some of the distractions in your life? Some of us are in relationships and we're always seeking new friends and nothing wrong with relationships, nothing wrong with friends. But for some of us, we're seeking those relationships. We're seeking those friends more than we're seeking God. And so he's left there alone. And in this moment of being alone, God begins to do something quite unusual. Look what it says in the text. It says, so he was left alone in verse uh, 24, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. So Jacob is alone. And while he's alone, there's this man that comes and wrestles with him until daybreak. Now we find out as we continue in this text that this is not an ordinary man. Indeed, one of the big commentary terms for this is this is possibly a theophany. In other words, a, a, a occurrence of God. Of course, God cannot be limited to flesh, but, but, but a representation of God moving in the lives of humanity. He's now this man wrestling with Jacob. And the Bible says he didn't wrestle for a little while. He wrestled for a long time, and he wrestled until daybreak. I wonder what happens when we love God and encounter God, but a thrown right in the middle of a wrestling match. What happens when we love God and we seek him and we desire to know him and we desire to, to know more about him? And in those desires to know him and know more about him, we find ourselves in the middle of a struggle, in the middle of a time of wrestling. For those of you that have been hearing uh, my messages throughout the years, uh, you will find kind of a theme that weaves its way through a lot of my content. And I believe that the theme of struggle and adversity is an important one because for many people, listen, for many people, we do not know how to handle adversity. We don't know how to handle difficulty. We don't know how to deal with tragedies. We don't know how to deal with wrestling. But I believe you all that it is a part of the Christian journey. Yes, God has called us to overcome. Yes, he's promised us victory. Yes, he's promised us life to the full, abundant life. But he says, in this world, you will have trial and tribulation. He said, in this world, in this life, you and I will encounter it. But he said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome it. But it doesn't mean that because we're in Christ, we're not going to have moments of wrestling. But what happens when the wrestling is not with people, it's not with things, it's not with stuff. What happens when the wrestling is with God? I wonder how many of us have ever wrestled with God. Now, you know, one thing I know about Christians is that we can think one thing that our lips don't say. So uh, I've seen Christians sometimes, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed of the Lord. I'm highly favored. I'm doing great. That's what our lips say. But if we could have those little bubbles, the little cartoon bubbles that actually tell us the real you, like, oh, my feet hurt. I can't stand my kids. I can't stand my job. Why is it so hot? Why is it so humid outside? I mean, literally, you are. sometimes our lips don't always reflect what our hearts are saying. And what happens when some of us wrestle with God? What happens when some of us have fights with God, fights with God about why he did this, fights with God about why he did not do this, fights or struggles with God about why he's allowing this or why he doesn't answer soon enough, whatever it might be. What happens when we wrestle with God? The Bible says that Jacob, this liar, this supplanter, this trickster, he wrestled with God from till daybreak. And for many of you all, the wrestling has not just been a little while, but it's been a a long while. And what happens when you're a believer, right? What happens when you're a child of God and you find yourself in the middle of a wrestle? Well, that's what happened to Jacob here. The Bible says that he wrestled with this man uh, until daybreak, literally. And then the next verse says, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. So that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. So as he's wrestling with uh, Jacob, he realizes that Jacob is pretty strong, right? Jacob has some self-will. Jacob is kind of pushing back, and he realizes this, and he ends up touching the inner uh, socket of his hip and literally throwing Jacob's hip out of joint. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like God to me, right? I don't see, oh, I can't wait to meet God so he can throw my hip out of joint. You all, I believe that, listen now, I believe that many of us have views about God that are not always biblical. They're not always views about what the scriptures say about him. Many of us ascribe to God what we want to ascribe to him and not what always the scriptures show of God. God is love. Yes, he is unconditional, just unbelievable love. But he's also just and he's also true. True. God is one who will always be there, but God is also one who at sometimes, and you remember me talking about Job, he will allow us to go through testing for us to become even better. Remember Job who loved God with all of his heart? All of his heart. The Bible says he was a man who feared God and ran away from everything that was evil. And the devil came to God one day, and God says, what are you doing? He says, I'm looking who I can destroy. I'm looking who I can devour. He says, have you considered Job? (laughs) Have you ever thought about that? Here's somebody that was coming to church, worshiping God, singing on the praise team, working and volunteering with the kids, doing everything they're supposed to do, reading the Bible, listening to Charles Clay, listening to Kirk Franklin, doing it all. And then God says, oh, wait a minute, this is somebody who loves me. This is somebody who gives me their whole heart. Hey, Satan, have you considered them? Why would a loving God, why would a good God throw us into a wrestling match? Why would a kind God allow us to go through seasons of adversity? Listen, could it be that Jesus, who was God, Jesus, who was love, who also suffered, who also died, Because the suffering does not define you. Listen, the challenge does not define you. The adversity and the wrestling does not define you. As a matter of fact, it becomes the crucible and it becomes the vehicle that God uses to develop us and to conform us to his image and his likeness. And character becomes more like God on the other side of adversity. Amen. He wrestled till daybreak. And the Bible says that his uh, wrestling was so good, God says, listen, uh, I need to to get a little bit of advantage here. I'm going to throw this guy's hip out of joint. He literally found himself in pain because of this wrestling. And then the Bible says, uh, he, uh, he said, let me go for his daybreak. The angel, he thought, But it was really God says, let me go for his daybreak. But Jacob, listen, Jacob with his hip thrown out, having wrestled all night, he says, dude, I'm not going to leave this spot without getting something out of this situation. I am not going to let you go until you bless me. Let me just say this, child of God. There there has to come a time in your life where you hold to God and hold to the things of God in such a way that you say to yourself, I am not going to let go until I see what God has promised come to pass. God is not a man that he would lie. God is the same today as he was yesterday, as he will be tomorrow. And if God said it, that settles it forever. And I'm going to hold on to his word and believe him in spite of what I feel, in spite of what I see, in spite of what's around me. And I'm not going to let God go until he blesses me amen and let me just speak to somebody hear me now and hear God's word to you today listen please don't feel like anyone is minimizing the level of challenge that you may be going through for some of you it may not be personal for some of y'all you may be overwhelmed at the things that are happening in our world you may open up the newspaper and look at the the newspaper I'm still back in the day right I am dating myself. You may open up your tablet and swipe onto the news, right? (laughs) And you might be overwhelmed by the terrorist attacks or what's happening with with racial strife in our country. You might be challenged by the, the things that are happening in your family life. So it may not just be you. You may be concerned about things that are happening outside of you. And for some of us, we get so overwhelmed that we wonder, is God present? Will he do anything? Let me tell you something. You've got to make up in your mind that no matter what is happening inside of my life, what's happening in the world around me, if the word of God makes a promise, I'm going to hold to that word no matter what I see, no matter what is happening. His word is true, and it's everlasting. Let me say this to you. God's word it does not change god's word remains forever he says listen the heavens and the earth will pass away but my word will remain forever you want to build your life on something don't you build it on a relationship build it on the word you want to build your life on something don't build it on the promises of people build it on the word of god i thank god for the word of god it keeps me it reminds me that he's forever stable he's forever consistent I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I wonder what kind of tenacity is in you and let me just help you get out of your pity party because I'm not gonna take your evite I'm not gonna respond to your invitation to join your pity party oh Harvey you don't know what's happening in my life I get it I get it I know it's tough I know it's difficult but I'm not gonna sit there and slink snot with you about stuff that happened ten years ago Jesus is on the throne and it's time for you to say I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me is there anybody in this room that wants God to bless you I don't know about you but I want him to bless me and I'm not gonna act like, listen I mean, when you want some, listen when you want somebody to bless you you don't act cute and shy about it I've seen people give away stuff in the hood You want to see some people excited about something. You ain't even got to to know what it is. Just say free. People up early, in line, waiting on stuff. Why? Because it's free. And if God can give us more than somebody throwing out some junk in the hood, then surely we can be excited and anticipatory of what God is going to do. Is there anybody here that believes God is able to do the impossible? Is there anybody? then in advance won't you give him a praise for what you know he is able and going to do hallelujah i'm not letting you go i'm not letting you go i'm not letting you go till you bless me so here's jacob tired from resting all night hip out of joint in pain but saying i'm not going to let you go and could it be that you in the midst of being tired of fighting You've been fighting all night. You're in pain because something has been knocked out of position in your life. You find yourself hurting and tired. What should your response be? It should echo that of Jacob. That I will not let go of God until he blesses me. And let's not ever get into this Americanism of what being blessed means. Because you can have a house and not be able to go to sleep in it. You can, you can have everything in the world and literally have nothing. And you can have nothing in the natural and have everything in abundance. So it's not about things and it's not about stuff. So let's not equate blessings with stuff. Sometimes blessings mean peace. Sometimes blessings mean love. Sometimes a being blessed means being, Lord, I've learned to be content in every situation, whether I'm abased a or bound, whatever the circumstance, I've learned to be. Lord, I need contentment. And so blessings don't always look one way, but I do believe that the blessings can also be in the natural because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There's a story once uh, about a young boy who grew up in poverty, and he met a friend who was very wealthy. And the friend was kind of showing him uh, all of his dad's stuff. He said, look, uh, come with me. <clears throat> he said, see that car? See that Rolls Royce? That's my dad's car. He said, oh, man, that's nice. He said, "Ah, oh, no, no, that's not it. He said, let's go Let's walk a little bit further. He said, see that, see that hill way over there? See that big mansion? See the gates that are leading to it? That's my dad's house. The, the poor guy said, oh, wow, that's, that's nice. He said, that's not it. He said, walk with me a little bit further. He went down to the marina, and he looked at a huge yacht. He said, that's my dad's yacht sitting on the water. He said, oh, that's nice. He said to the poor boy, so, so what about you? What, what are you going to show me? He said, let's, let's go back if you don't mind. He said, see the ground that your dad's Rolls Royce is on? That's my dad's. He said, now let's walk a little bit further. He said, see the hill that your dad's crib is on? My dad owns the hill that your dad's your." He said, let's go over to the marina. He said, you see the water that your dad's yacht is on? My daddy owns the water that your, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Child of God, you can be blessed and God wants you to be blessed too. Can we give God praise that he owns everything? Amen. Amen. Yes, he does. I want someone who's hearing this message to not be overwhelmed by the wrestle. Don't be overwhelmed by the hip out of joint. Don't be overwhelmed by the length of time that it seems you've been fighting with God. But in the middle of this, see God at work. See God's hand in the middle of what looks like the devil's work. The Bible says that he says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And then I love this. He says, what's your name? So now, watch this now. He says, I want a blessing. And immediately God begins to deal with something far deeper than what Jacob could have ever understood. He said, who are you? What's your name? He responded, my name is Jacob. Now, you know what Jacob literally means? It means trickster. It means deceiver. It means liar. He said, you know who I am, God? I'm a liar, I'm a trickster, I'm a deceiver, I'm a supplanter. That is my identity. My identity is one that everything that I have, everything that I am, has come by the means of trickery, thievery, robbery. This is who I am. I'm Jacob, a loser. Jacob, a trickster. That's who I am. And then God responds to him, your name will no longer be Jacob, but your name will be Israel. Why? Because you struggle with God and with man and you've overcome. So in the middle of the struggle, hallelujah, in the middle of this unforgettable encounter, God does a change. Whenever God encounters mankind, mankind ends changed by that encounter. You cannot meet God and remain the same. It is impossible to meet the king of kings and lord of lords and remain the same person. He changes you when you meet him. You are forever changed when you meet him. And so literally in this encounter with God, he says, your name will no longer be trickster. Your name will no longer be liar. Your name will no longer be surplanter. But your name will be Israel. For you have struggled. You have wrestled with God and with humanity and with man. And you've overcome he says I'm gonna enter into covenant with you and change your name Abram became Abraham on the other side of covenant remember when remember when uh uh Saul was out persecuting the church right encounters God and becomes now Paul. Literally, you all, every time we encounter God, we are changed by him, and I encourage those of you today who've never met God to meet him, because when he meets you, he will change you from the inside out. Old things will pass away. Behold, all things will become new in and for his glory, and in this one moment, Jacob's life was changed because his identity changed. Listen, in the middle of wrestling, in the middle of a fight, hip out of joint, now changed. Sometimes change will happen in the most unlikely places. And for some of you all, you just think you came to church today. Oh, you didn't just come to church today. You came into a place where God's presence is. The Bible says where two or more gathered in his name, he's in the midst. And when you come in the presence of the living God, and you desire to seek him, and you desire to encounter him, it becomes an unforgettable encounter. Listen, because when you meet with God, he changes your identity. He changes who you are, and he changes who you think you are. I thank God when I met him, he changed me from the inside. I was a little boy on the south side of Chicago, feeling unworthy, feeling not good enough, hating myself wondering why God would ever save me, let alone call me to preach. So intimidated by other preachers that far more gifted than I was. And you all know the story about how I wanted to be like other people. I wanted to preach like they did. I tried my best to try to be like other people in their preaching and teaching. And God says, no, you're going to sweat like a mule. <laughs> you're going to spit like a camel. <laughs> and I'm going to use that sweat and that spit for my glory. Because when God calls you he changes you for his glory is there anybody in this room that has ever been touched by God don't play with me this morning is there anybody that's ever been touched by God then give him praise for touching you he touched me long time ago and I will never be the same again oh he touched me oh he touched me oh he touched me me. Listen, you all, this this name change for Jacob was a game changer for Jacob. This name change for him was a game changer. You know why? Because we're still saying the name Israel. Do you hear that? Israel, the nation, that came from this dude. That is this dude. When we read the news reports about Israel, it's a country, but the name. Is this guy's name. We don't remember the struggle. We don't remember the the wrestling at night. We don't remember the limp. We don't remember the hip out of joint. But we do know Israel. And let me just say this. When God is due with you, no one will remember the pain and the suffering. No one will remember the dark nights. No one will remember the seasons of toil and questions about God. But they will remember that you were changed by him. And they will remember on the other side of that change that others were changed because of your change. And God will get the glory as a result of your change. And so now we see this this man with a new name. His name is Israel because he wrestled with God and with man and has overcome. Jacob says, now tell me your name. He said, that's not important. But then he blessed him there. He blessed them there let me just say this church don't leave this place today without God blessing you here blessing you here because some of us are in the middle of a wrestle some of us in the middle of having our lives thrown out of joint and from that day forward from that moment forward he walked with a limp and that limp was a reminder of his encounter with God. He literally walked with a reminder, with every step of that moment of wrestling. And I wonder how many of us have limps that we cannot avoid. We're walking with abandonment. We're walking with feeling unworthy, low self-esteem. We're walking with poverty. We're walking with Feeling grief and loss some are walking with illness and as you walked into this sanctuary today you said to yourself how can God love me while I'm limping how could God care about me while I've got this limp but the limp has not been given to serve as some demonic you know banner that that Satan is in charge it is a reminder that although you have gone through something You've gone through something. I'm almost done in my seven minutes. I got left. Some of you guys, you know, people wonder, you know, Harvey, why are you so excited? What's, where's your energy come from? Some of you may know this. Some of you, don't. number one, uh, I love God for real. And if I love God, I know how I was when I was in the world. I was the person, y'all, who, I didn't go to clubs, but I went to, back in the day, we called them house parties. Some of y'all don't know nothing about that. But they had, like, look, they had, like, little r- red lights in basements. It's, the, it's a hood thing, maybe. I don't know. But they had these little red lights that they put in the basement, and you go to these basement parties. And then in college, I was the one in the college parties. And I was, I was the one with the lampshade on my head. That would be me. And I would shut the parties down. I was—I mean, I was the dancing guy. I was the guy in the middle of the dance floor, didn't need anybody with me. I don't need no music. I mean, I was, I was that guy. And, and I was so excited about going to hell. I was so pumped about going to hell that the moment that I accepted Jesus, I realized if I gave the devil that much energy, and if I gave the devil that much focus, then why can I not give this energy to the one who resurrected me? That is why I am so loud. But that ain't the only reason. Over 15, 20 years ago now, I literally was in hospice getting ready to die. I had gone through all the medical treatment that the doctors could afford me and offer me and said, there's nothing we can do for him. Sent me home with a tube inside of me to eat. Unable to speak. Unable to walk. Unable to move. Talk about a limp. But in the middle of that thing, God said to me after being unable to do that for one year with a hospital bed in my house, God said, get up and go get something to eat. I said, God, I ain't never walked in a year. My muscles are now in atrophy. I can't even move. He said, don't tell me you can't move when I tell you go get some meat. Oh, I disconnect the tube that's keeping me alive. And I walk to the kitchen and I've been eating ever since. And the reason, hold up, hold on, hold on. And the reason why I'm jumping, and the reason why I'm loud, and the reason why I'm praising is because I can. I have the ability to run, to dance, to shout, to praise because he's a healer. He's a healer. I know him as a healer. Is there anybody here? That knows God is able. Hallelujah As we get ready to pray, remain standing, if you can. Just remain. let me just say that, as we're going to pray, listen, I don't know how dark the night is for you. And with all of this energy for somebody they like, but I just lost my, my mom. I just lost my job. I just got the news I have cancer. I wish I could shout. I wish I could rejoice, but I can't. As a matter of fact, I'm angry. I'm upset with God. I'm wrestling with him. I don't want to minimize that pain. But I do come to remind you, listen, God says all things work together for his good. Now listen, it doesn't mean that all things are good, but God can take the bad things And make them work for his good had I not gone through what I went through I would not be who I am the pain and the suffering have defined me and it's made me sensitive and aware of things I would have never been aware of had it not been for those seasons of adversity and could it be that God has trusted you with trouble trusted you with trouble so that now you'll be able to see trouble in someone else. And what the devil intended for evil, God can make it for good. Can we believe, God, that this encounter with him will be unforgettable and it will change us? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your presence in this place. You are so here. Thank you for the reminder today that encounters with you, they profoundly change us. But God, they don't happen without some struggle. They don't happen without being left alone. They don't happen, God, without fighting, sometimes all night, seasons of night. They don't happen sometimes without things being thrown out of place. But in the midst of that, God, you change us. And in that change, God, we leave away, maybe a little limping, but reminded of the covenant that we have with you. And so, God, we honor and we love you. And we thank you, God, for touching every person who's listening and reminding them that their encounter with you will ultimately end in them being changed. Father, there may be someone here that's never accepted you as Savior. Would you allow her or would you allow him right now in this moment to simply say, Jesus, I'm not in charge. You are. Save me. Would you pray that prayer if you're here and you don't know Jesus? Just simply in your heart say, Jesus, save me. I I trust you. And God, I thank you for hearing their prayer and eternally making them a part of your family. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all that believe just said amen Amen. and amen. Give the Lord praise in the house, hallelujah. For those of you who just prayed to accept Christ in your heart, right in the little uh, bulletin here, there's a little connect card, just take a moment to fill that out, tear it off, outside of each door is a little box, place it in there, someone wants to get back with you real soon to let you know how we can help you move forward in your journey. God bless you all, have unforgettable encounters.
1: I'm Sacrifice can now repeat.